And now, it's time for the show, This Old Dungeon. Good evening, Dungeoneers. This is Lou Alou. And, uh, you know, as a as a podcaster, you get the privilege of talking with just an amazing assortment of individuals. And, and you know, by uh, listening to our back catalog, we've, we've had some really important industry uh, members on. We've had people from all different walks of life. Uh, but tonight, tonight is a, a special event. We have our first time actual God's honest uh, paid writer on the show. Uh, not just a writer, but a screenwriter. Um, and he's got a cool project coming out, and uh, he's going to spend a little time with us tonight. So I want to introduce uh, David uh, Madelon. Did I get your last hey. name right? <laughs> yeah, you did. You actually nailed it. So so All right. done correctly. So. Cool. They killed yeah, me at the DMV to... every time, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, David, how are you doing? Um, where, where, are you, where are you at right now? I can see a sunny sunny afternoon outside your window. I'm great. I'm doing really well. I'm actually based in Los Angeles in Sherman Oaks. California. Wow, living the dream life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> the, the climate change dream. And <laughs> getting hotter here. No, but I mean, I, I, I as a young, uh, I fell in love with film at a young age, and being in LA was always just a huge dream for me. So it's, uh, you know, so you're uh, an implant. You, uh, you, you moved uh, west. I am. I am a New Yorker. I'm from. I'm from Brooklyn, New York, originally. But you know, like I tell people, I don't talk like that no more. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I, I I grew up in New York, Manhattan, and then uh, Brooklyn, Manhattan, and then moved out to Los Angeles. So. Well, it yeah. seems like a lot of people in your industry, uh, uh, screenwriters particularly, uh, are from the East Coast and particularly New York. So. Yeah, I think they should just build a super highway between New York and Los Angeles. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but there's just this sort of conduit. One of those, uh, those bank vault little uh Yeah, exactly. Tubes. Like it's futuristic. Yeah, like a oh, Minority Report tube. Like a, maybe a suborbital or something like that. Um, yeah, I don't know what it is. It's very funny. There are... There is just seems to be like a back and forth. I don't know what unites those two coasts so strongly, yeah. but you meet a lot of transplants from both on both coasts. So it's kind of funny. True that. Yeah. So one of the things we always do when we have somebody come on that's that's new to us, uh, we got to hear your origin stories as far as gaming goes. How did you get into this crazy hobby? Um, it's very funny. I I um to be I I got into it very young. I was um, a pretty avid reader, and I started off reading you know Tolkien. Of course, the the sort of progenitor of it all, <laughs> and um, and then I had a, my brother was older, and he had a buddy about three years older, who said to me one day, you know, I love, I know you love fantasy and all that, so you should check out this game called Dungeons and Dragons. And I had no idea what it was, and I went to his house. I was, I don't, know, I want to say I was like, uh, like eleven, ten or eleven. I was pretty young, and he ran, I think, what was B one at the time, you know. Oh, wow. um, into the unknown or a journey to the unknown. And mm -hmm. I think I went down like one hallway. His sister played with us because she didn't know what we were going to do. And we opened a door. She got shot by some orcs. I picked her up and ran out. And then like, that was it. I was going back. You know, <laughs> uh, it was awesome. And so I went to a place in New York at the time. There was only one place to get game stuff. It was called the Complete Strategist. Kind of an immortal place in New York City. If you know it, it's on 33rd yeah. Street. It was like the game store. And um, and I bought the book first books there, the hardcover books and the basic set, and I you know I was just hooked. So I became a big D and D uh, fan, and 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 naturally because I loved it, and I always wanted everyone else to play. I became a dungeon master, 
which kind of informed my storytelling as I got older and, you know, into writing. So, so, so you yeah. feel like it, it really is kind of part of what, you know, pushed you in that direction? Yeah, it's really funny because D&D, um, &D, of course, was not cool when I was a kid. And for so many of us, it was not cool yeah. as it is now. Um, but I loved it and I, it got me reading and those Gygaxian, Hygaxian words got you curious and you read other stuff. And so much of the stuff they did was so well, so grounded in their medieval passion. They were, they're, you know, well-researched and well and kind of built in fact, and then fantasy built on top of that. And and so as a result, I started just reading more and I started writing and, and it just really yeah, engaged my imagination between that and movies. It was just a great marriage of like, I wanted to bring all that to life um, in you know my own creativity. Off topic. What, what are some of your favorite movies from uh, back in the day? But are we talking like eighties or are we talking about like, but, you know, I mean, like, like ones that you feel were like formative in your in your, you know, uh, aesthetic as a screenwriter. Well, it's, really, it, it's very funny because the movies that inform me are very different than the things that inform me about fantasy and gaming, because fantasy really wasn't good till later because it was sort of so I mean, I thought it was good because I was a kid. But <laughs> <laughs> when you go back and watch some of those like Highlander, those early movies, oh, they don't yeah. up terribly well. You know, uh, the Kurgan is a little over the top. Um, but um, I'd say, like, I was a huge Spielberg fan. So early movies, like, in terms of filmmaking, Jaws mm -hmm. is a huge. Of, of course, Star Wars was a big touchstone. Uh, and then from a writing perspective, movies like On the Waterfront, um, the writing is just so incredible. The character work, you know, so guys like Odette's and, um, and, and guys like, uh, even later on, like, writers like Mammoth, who did movies like The Untouchables, like, just really strong character work woven into these adventure stories it was always really interesting to to see people do great character arcs um and have those kind of you know uh, go on the adventure not just the adventure exists and the character sort of a cookie cutter yeah. of what you've seen a dozen times before you know awesome yeah um what is can you tell us i know there's a strike going on and i know that limits what you can say and and, and how much detail you can give or whatever. Sure. but can you give us an idea of some of the things that you you've done in your career well uh i mean there i'm on a classic example of uh where a lot of writers in hollywood we sell a lot and not a lot of what you sell gets made there's a sort of long journey mm -hmm. uh that and you can actually live pretty well selling tv shows and and screenwriting uh, screenplays and never actually get stuff made. I've had a few things made. The biggest one coming out now is called Totally Killer, which is going to be on Amazon on October 6th. I can't really promote it, but uh, if you watch the credits, you'll see there's my name <laughs> at the end of the trailer, and so I, I'm clearly one of the writers. Um, <laughs> and then I have two or three projects that were about to go when the strike happened, and I'm hoping they will continue to go once the strike ends. I just sold the script and I was about to do a movie with the guys who did Violent Night. And um, and so there was a lot of good stuff happening. And so this strike has sort of put a uh, a, a big roadblock for the moment. Oh, man. And that stuff, yeah. The adventure. Um, so Prisoners of the Secret Overlords, uh, you guys allowed me to kind of take an advanced look at it. And um, I'm just blown away. Awesome. I mean, <laughs> as, a, as a small publisher myself, I, I got I to gotta admit to you, man, I, I'm quaking in my boots a little bit here because – I mean, you can tell that your prose is well developed. I mean, you, you, you oh, thank you. From from the uh, analogies that you pull into to the the descriptions and and the way that you kind of line things up uh, as far as the beats of action and, and development of the plot, you know, as, it, as it's kind of unveiled to the players, um, 
I mean, you, you're bringing the game, man. Uh, you mind if I read just an excerpt? There's one part particularly yeah, as I was reading about. I'm, I was just like, man, it, it's just so, yeah, do it. genius. Okay, so this, folks, this will kind of show you like just how first uh, DCC this adventure is, because because the, uh, the 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 feel of this, the tone of this description just hits all that you know appendix end kind of feel, but also shows you how in a very minimal amount of space, uh, David is is just giving you everything you need as a game master to just uh, know what this character is about and, and what this encounter is going to be like. All right. So, uh, so this, in, in this uh, particular scenario, uh, it, it, we'll probably talk about it later anyhow, but, but there's some prisoners, right? And, and there's a potential that your characters are going to go in and free some of these prisoners. And uh, this is the description of one of these uh, a little bit uh, rough prisoners that you're, you're probably going to wish you hadn't freed here. So it says his naked body is covered in scarification tattoos, towering over six feet and rippling with muscles. This barbarian champion survived a lifetime on the blasted wastes of a land ruled by a demonic Lord where his evil minions spend their days in an eternal Darwinian struggle. He spits on reason and thinks tongues are meant only for screaming, be it the sound of his war cry or the agony-laden lamentations of his enemies. His only language is battle. I mean, you know, that's like three sentences there, folks. And, like, you know this character now. You know how you're going to run this guy against the uh, against the players. Just beautiful, man. Just beautiful. Thank you. Who wrote that? That's great. <laughs> <laughs> Got a good editor? Is that, you know, <laughs> uh, that GPT is working hard for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, thank you. Thank you. I mean, it's really interesting because in, in, in screenwriting, which is really different than novel writing, I've tried wrong novel writing. I'm terrible at it. Um, <laughs> Uh, it, you really have to reduce everything happens in about a hundred pages and your entire story has to unfold in those hundred pages. You don't get 10 episodes. You don't get three movies on, you know, very rarely you got to do it in the first movie and everything has to be really, and so you kind of are trained to craft your paragraphs in evocative image conjuring ways, mm -hmm. uh, that are succinct and bring the reader into it as quickly as possible. So I'm glad that's translating in the adventure awesome thank very you very much me. so now is this the first adventure you've written professionally not ever uh but this is the um i actually funny enough published an adventure ages ago i'm gonna date myself for a game <laughs> for hero games oh yeah um, when i was like 19 we won't we won't talk about that but uh <laughs> but um but yeah it's i i it is the first one i've done for dcc and um and in a long time and and was it's been a real project of uh of love and passion for me i'm you know i i, I find adventure writing fun and for a long time i wrote most of the adventures for the games i ran when i was less busy and i was you know didn't have a family and didn't work full time yeah so and i gotta imagine that this is more just a almost a passion project for you i mean you know the the returns on on writing game material are so slim uh compared to screenwriting yes <laughs> <laughs> um but but i but i love it it's fun and it brings you know it kind of conjures up my uh the excitement of childhood one mm -hmm. of the reasons i love the whole osr movement was it really just brought me back to those first corridors, those first 10 foot poles, everyone carried 10 foot <laughs> poles in those days, <laughs> just endless 10 foot poles, everywhere you want. Um, and um, I just, I just find it fun. It's easy. It's relaxing. It's not work. Um, there's no rules really. Like there's a lot of rules in screenwriting um, page hit, you know, 
numbers you have to hit certain beats on. Really? Uh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot. Uh, and um, and there's none of that. You just kind of have fun, and you can do whatever you want. Um, and it's just, it's just for me. It's yeah. It's it's really an, an endeavor of love and and fun. I mean, I already kind of mentioned it, but I mean, the adventure is just oozing DCC. You've got all these, you know, just wild monsters that are in this thing, like the Egavores and that two-headed monitor lizard thing. Um, you know, they're, they're half the time the players are wading through this like festering yellow ooze full of like worms and stuff. Um, you mentioned that you started with uh, uh, basic D&D there. How did you get into DCC? How long have you been playing it? And, um, you know, what what is it about it that captivates you? Yeah, I, I played a bunch of early D&D, and then I kind of got out. I missed a lot of the uh, third edition stuff. I was playing other I systems. I wouldn't say missed. Well, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't partake. Uh, and, uh, I was doing a lot of other systems, and I was, you know, I was, I was trying, you know, just a bunch of different other things. Mm-hmm. And I kind of, like so many, I think, guys our age or people our age, I got a hankering for that OSR, that old school D&D feel, and I kind of, Pulled out my old, um, was it Sutherland who did the old GM screen with the? It was such a great yeah, GM like screen. The, the yellow, you know, kind of background with the knights and the yeah. yeah. And, and I was like, is this what I want to do again? And I was like, I don't quite think so. And then it just so happened I was reading reviews online of new stuff coming out, and it just happened I found DCC right around the time it was being released. I was like, oh, what this seems cool. I like this, and then. I just, it's so dynamic. It's so unexpected. It has cinematic moments, you know, and I just loved it. I just loved, um, I mean, everyone's a bit of a glass cannon, but, uh, <laughs> but, but it's fun because like, you know, I remember we were playing, um, I think Dragora's dungeon. And uh, is that the one with the, with the city underground? I forgot. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, my wizard spell burns himself down to nothing summons Cezrakhan who basically rips open the fabric of the air throws a meteor kills everybody and we're like yeah and like that just doesn't happen in D&D it's just yep. it's lot so that that level of cinematic storytelling just excited me and I think so I just was being I just became a judge and just ran uh ran games ever since and also really the funnel the funnel is just sort of like a genius innovation I wasn't sure I was going to go but I have not I run them you know at this point, dozens. I've never run a group, no matter who they are, from like newbies to veteran players, who hasn't just loved it and then just been so attached to their level one for surviving. You know, like, uh-huh. this is yeah. the guy. This is the the tailor <laughs> who made it. You know, which kind of goes back to like the fairy tale, the tailor with the you know, seven giants, whatever, that old story. Uh, it's just great. It's just great. So I'm a huge fan of the system. I've been told by some, and I, I, I honestly, I don't see it as much. But some have said, well, this is kind of like a, a refreshing of, of like a barrier peaks sort of scenario. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I see it in one way. I mean, there's there's this kind of fantasy science sort of element in it. And and there is this, you know, crashed, crashed vessel uh, mm-hmm. that they go to explore. But would you say that that was kind of the inspiration? Or, or uh, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think you. I saw you said something in an email and you hit it on the head. It's kind of a marriage between the A series and S3 when Barrier Peaks came out, it just blew my mind. I mean, like, what? Spaceships in <laughs> Fantasyland? Wait. And they had that ridiculous, awesome flowchart, that just beautifully, stupidly complicated flowchart of, like, <laughs> if you do this, then you can do that, and then next week, maybe you'll do this. And it was just so cool. But as a kid, I was just like, oh, man, laser guns in D&D, that's awesome. Um, and it had that great picture booklet, which, by the way, 
Uh, I think I think later on you I'll spoil this, but we're hoping as a stretch goal that we can be able to do our own little side picture booklets. Nice. It just had so much stuff that I loved. And yeah, you're right. It's not, a, I didn't, you know, obviously it's an homage and I didn't want to duplicate mm-hmm. the adventure. So there are elements of uh, the S, the S3. And then in the A series, I love the idea of an ongoing conspiracy campaign and, and that kind of, kind of wormed its way in um, to it. So yeah, it's a marriage of those two for sure. The, sorry, the ship was supposed to be a, a reveal. I think we've spoiled it up front, but like hopefully players won't, no, and read the adventure. Usually, <laughs> the game masters do, so judges. Part of the plan is that that this is. I mean, even though this is like fully self-contained, can be just its own thing, but it is like the beginning of a series. Yeah, I mean, that was my idea. I I, I really wanted to do a connected campaign, like a la the A series or like mm-hmm. the Giants. Or I love those. You know, it's cool. Like you you finish the Hill of Giants, now you go take the Frost Giants. They're done. You go the Fire Giants. Um, so I. I, I think that was in the back of my mind, always like if this works out and the campaign's successful and we do well, I'll do another one. And, and the characters, while this is self-contained and has a finale and you can just say, thanks very much. Moving on there. The second one will pick off, pick up where this leaves off and the characters will go on the trail of the big bads to another location. And then ultimately in the third installment reveal what the master plan is and who's behind it you know, who's the emperor in this one and uh, the evil emperor. And and then there'll be a, a finale, a climactic finale. And I, I, I'm at a little bit of disadvantage because it, it is, uh, folks, this isn't, you know, DCC does this wonderful thing where they give you like real quick modules that, okay, you're going to hit this in a night and be done. And yeah. I love that. But you can't deny that it's also a, a nice thing to have that, that continued, not necessarily like campaign length module, but a module where you're picking up a couple sessions and you have that time to digest in between sessions of hmm, what's really going on here. What, are, what am I going to have my character do this next time? Um, and that's where we are with this, right? I mean, this thing's uh, like 50 some pages you yeah. know, as it is right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think 56 is where we're going to, where we're going to end up. I mean, it's looking like, but um, yes, part of that's just my fault. Cause I think as a writer, <laughs> I just, I just write a lot. Uh, part of it was like, I think when I designed it, I, so I originally, when I was like, you know, 10 or 11 middle school and maybe what is that? 12. Um, I had written a, a script, a script, sorry, a, an adventure, which was the, a prison module. And I remember the fun of it was my players opening the cell doors mm-hmm. and going, who's coming, you know, it's sort of like, you know, <laughs> who's buying door number five. Uh, and that, and I wanted to recreate that in this and, and like the unexpected, like, is it friendly? Is it foes? Is it is. So, um, and then that ended up like those encounters ended up just sort of filling the module up. And suddenly, you know, a room, instead of being a one encounter, actually is like there's 10 encounters in that one room. Um, cells, yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, when you're young and you, you know, you can stay up all night or all weekend, you can do those endless sessions. But now, as you know, as you get older, now when I run a session with my buddies, especially we're doing it online, you know, we're lucky if we finish an adventure in three sessions mm-hmm. um, just because life. Uh, and so I just wanted something that was sort of like a real dungeon delve, but not a mega dungeon. I find mega dungeons for me, they, you know, they sort of can lose steam after yeah. a while. You're like, we're at level 17. Uh... Yeah, exactly. It's like, um, so it's somewhere between the two. I think it just also, I think in the, um, in the community, when I was reading stuff, people were kind of hankering for something that had a little more meat. Yeah. Not that the dungeons aren't awesome. I love the DCC dungeons, but I think something that just was a little more beefier. 
And so hopefully that'll deliver on that front as well. Yeah. So, you know, I, I preparing for this interview as I was reading it and, and I I've gotten to like the last, I think it's the last 20 pages, which sounds like a lot, but there's a lot of stuff at the back of the book that is like generative material where like you're, you're randomly rolling the prisoners up and, and figuring out what they're about and stuff. Um, you know, of course there are, you know, preset ones too folks but 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 it's it's that cool dcc thing where uh you, you got those wild charts you know mm. um so I, i'm still a little bit i don't i don't know what the final encounter is yet so okay. uh, so uh, uh it's epic it's an epic it's an epic you know down to nail biter you know showdown <laughs> with the clock you know one of the well, yeah, I mean, you brought it, the environment in too the environment's a ticking time bomb in this one too so yeah that's very much from screenwriting by the way you're talking <laughs> to, to, they say put a clock on it um, so there's a clock, you know, you're going to, you're going to, you don't do it in time. It's all going to blow up. Within that material, what are some of your favorite inventions? You, some of your favorite things that you're like, man, people are really going to dig this, or I really love this. Um, within the adventure itself. Yeah. I think, um, well, that's a good question. I think some of the traps are fun. One of the things I loved about DCC was like, don't call it an orc, call it a strange tusk faced you know, rubbery skin dog. <laughs> thing. I don't know. I, I like the sort of the unknowing because, you know, in, in, in D and D sometimes you'll play and someone say, Oh, it's a troll. So we need to use this, we use that spell, we use this, yeah. and that's how we'll take care of it. And the unknowing on the player side creates so much atmosphere and so much tension um, and dramatic moments. I think one of my favorite characters in there is the, one of the, um, the Hyenor NPC, who, if played correctly, can end up joining you. I like, I like it when characters within the story uh, can unexpectedly become allies, mm -hmm. and then the storyline of of the of the hunt for the chief and the chief hunting for their lost maid. And I think there's kind of real fun drama to be found there and tragedy. So I think that kind of stuff, just beyond just the kind of you know uh, hack and slash <laughs> and, and murder hobo of it all, there's some great magic items in there. I yes, love there these magic items because they're you know, they're a blessing and a curse. And I think that's reminiscent, obviously, of like stuff like Elric and Stormbringer. Um, I found myself like, um, like there was one magic item. It, it seemed like just the simplest idea. And I just, I've never seen it before. And I thought it was just hilarious. Which the, one? Uh, potion of, uh, what is it? Potion of ooze form, or I forget how you put it, but you turn into an ooze. I mean, yeah. I, I, it, somebody should have came up with that eons ago, but I've never seen that in a game. Um, Maybe just my predilection for oozes. I'm just a huge <laughs> ooze fan. So, uh, yeah, I don't know why I've always loved oozes. Um, yeah, I, I thought that was kind of. I, I I really I want it. I want magic items to be new and wondrous and fun. There's such again, like in D and D, you're like, oh, it's a plus three ring of protection. But there's something more incredible. Like you find this ring encrusted with runes, clearly. It's been carved from mithril, and you don't, you know, what, and that the whole deciphering, the discovering, mm -hmm. it takes you right back to Lord of the Rings and the ring and the cloak and all, and, and Sting <laughs> and all those things, like, you don't know, and then you start to learn what it does, and that's exciting, yeah. you know, versus just like, here's all the stuff it does, now do it. You are tuned, this is what you know. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, so I like that part. The, um, the art for the book, I mean, uh, folks, you, you'll probably see the cover when you hit the link um and that's amazing but then the interior art just carries it through who, who are your art team or who is in your art team it's just uh, one amazing guy named um kirill chenkov we've never met he uh stefan who's been editing and, and doing the layout found him 
he, you know, one of the things for me when I was, when I, as a kid, and even as an adult, when I see a cover that makes me go, I want to do that. I want to be mm-hmm. that. I want to play that. That's what makes me buy an adventure. And, you know, sometimes you'll hear a reader review and like, oh, I'll go back and look at that one. I didn't see it. But most of the time it's like that cover goes, like, I think of stuff like Laugh, Last Cavern, Lost Cavern of Soja Camp, mm-hmm. um, even the cover of S3, you know, and I found, so when we found Corel and we saw his sample work, I'm like, he seems just like the kind of stuff I want to do. And when we started talking, we started saying, what's on the cover? What's it going to be? And I'm like, every module I've ever loved is the party fighting a big monster. It's almost, it's always just been my thing. The party, because like, I feel like I can imagine myself, my character or my my players wanting to do that, right? Reliving that moment, you know? Um, And so when we started talking with him and he started giving us sketches for the cover, I was just like, I was blown away. So he's incredibly talented. I'm hoping this gets him a lot more work. I'm already planning on working with him more on my future projects, this series and some other stuff I'm doing. And um, I can't say enough good things about him and his talent. And so he's he's our cover artist, and he does all the interiors as well. Now, has he done other gaming uh, material before? I'm just not familiar mm, with him. I couldn't say, not to my okay. knowledge, but I, I couldn't speak for him. I don't believe so. Okay. Yeah. Was, did you find it pretty easy working with him as far as, like, you know, he just got you or – yeah, I mean, he's been really. I'm, I, I'm very pushy. <laughs> I'm very demanding, and he's been great. I mean, I, you know, coming from my industry where we, where if it was like, do it, this is how I want it, this is how we got to do it. Not in a mean way, but like in a very like, this is how it has to be for, vision, for, yeah. for it to work. He's been amazing and patient and cooperative and um a team player i i yeah i mean i couldn't recommend him enough to anyone i just hope he doesn't become too pricey for me in the future <laughs> oh man the good ones right they <laughs> no no i really yeah the good ones always do and i wish him nothing but success so yeah no he's amazing and i i really have had an incredible he's been generous in his time and his work and um yeah and i think people are gonna love what he's done on the interiors i mean the creature i, just I think so amazing yeah yeah I mean, it's uh, you know the w- w- when you have the 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 pros and the and the illustrations working in tandem like that. I mean, it's just like symphony, right? I mean, it's that's uh, just it's good. Yeah, I don't stuff. know if you got to see it, but there's an encounter with a mimic, um, a variation on a mimic. I think I called it a lesser mimic, uh, but it's he did an illustration of that. I don't know if it made it into the version you got because hey, later I, I, about. I want to say like it seemed like about every like fourth piece was still in development at this stage. Oh, okay, so you probably so, yeah, it looks. Yeah, I don't. Amazing. I don't remember that yeah. one. I remember the you know the w- one of the ones that. Well, I don't want to give that away though. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, the, not yeah, too many. There, there's some creatures that are that, that have some quite interesting effects on people in the game, and uh, there's an illustration uh, of the creature affecting someone that's that's pretty wicked. Uh, oh, oh, you're talking about the uh, the insatiable devourer that one. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, you just name it. No one's going to know what it does. Yeah, over that's, that. yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's not a spoiler. Yeah, I mean, part of the fun again for DCC was like creatures that were not what you knew before, and I have a very vivid imagination. So I was like, "What if it does that? And what if we have something that doesn't like just what's weird and cool and creepy?" And it, it's really interesting as a judge for me, at least. I'm always trying to find ways to give my players new experiences whether it's a, a creature they've met before or an encounter they haven't had before, or just an environment they haven't been in before, just to not make it the same old thing. And I'm hoping mm-hmm. Prisoners does a lot of that. 
I know as a as a designer, I was looking at it and um, you know, it's for a second level uh character. And some of the monsters are like, wow, man, that, that, that monster's got a lot of hit points. I, wow, that's a tough encounter. But then I, I noticed you did a lot of clever things where a lot of these monsters are not like chewing away the, the character's hit points, but they're affecting them in different ways, you know, altering how they're going to uh, how they're going to um, function within the game, um, you know, doing some temporary stat losses and things like that where it's more yeah. survivable. Yeah, I, I, I wanted to... Um... I want it, and, and we're still doing playtesting, so those hit points may come up or down. But you know, one of the things I find, well, two things in response to what you're saying, and I think those are great observations, by the way. But um, DCC, what I find is like your character is kind of there's a fight, they're kind of all the way down, and then like if they survive the fight, that character's gonna beep, 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 and it runs right back up. So you yeah. know, yeah, uh, it swings really well, right? Yeah, so, it yeah. swings. So if you don't, if you can hold out for the end of the fight, <laughs> you, you're back in it. If you can't, you know, tougher. Um, especially if you use fleeting luck and healing rules, some people use Lankmar rules and stuff like that. Um, and then I'll, and then um, the other thing was I really, uh, I really love one of my favorite DC adventures was Goodman's. Uh, I think he wrote a People of the Pit. Isn't that Joseph Goodman? Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah, I thought. I mean, that was one of the ones that inspired me, and really, it has such a Robert E. Howard vibe, and it's so Lankmar. It's it's um, Libres, and like all those things, and like it just. It just pressed all my my happy buttons, uh, and I've run it several times. Um, but one of the things I thought in the encounters, like I don't want to just hammer away at them, like you said, hit point wise. Isn't it interesting if you walk away from an encounter? Maybe your agility is a little lower. Maybe you're using one die step lower. I love the use of die steps, and I don't know that it happens a lot in the published adventures, but like yeah, they, they just, you know, not a lot of people capitalize on that. I right? know. And I realized like, there's a mechanic that's so cool. So what if I have poison in me and just now I'm using a D16 instead of a D20, Ugh. you know, <laughs> that just, that makes me just a little, I'm not, I can still go in the fight, but I'm a little, um, a little more wary now, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm glad you, you picked that out. That's cool. So I, I like DCC, but everybody that listens to this program knows that I love MCC. And, oh, really? Uh, okay. I mean, this this adventure, um, because of the nature of uh, of its backstory and, and, and the creatures in it themselves, it's super portable to, to either system, right? Yeah. Um, th did you have that in mind when you were writing it, or have you played much MCC? I have MCC. I, I was a huge Gamma World lover. Um, not those rabbits with the sombreros <laughs> and the bundeliers were amazing, but um, I uh, I haven't played. I actually haven't got my group to bring MCC to the table yet. Uh, I definitely this was definitely written for GCC, but absolutely you could easily would make some small adjustments and yeah, like who sends you on the mission. I think it's it's a duke now, but you can make it a warlord or a yeah a, a colony of survivors or whatever. Yeah, it's easily trained. And because of the nature of it, like you said, because it sort of has a science like a science fantasy element, you can easily it could live in that world without a doubt. I'm hoping it does. Yeah. <laughs> um we're we're kind of getting to the end of our time here. So uh tell us about the Kickstarter campaign. It's coming up uh when, when does it launch? What, what's gonna be involved in it? I believe October third is our current date. Um we are basically we're going to be offering a standard version. We're offering a deluxe hardcover version because it is a 56 page book. So <laughs> maybe someone wants that. We're going to be offering some cool other options like we're a, a custom GM screen, like the old school um, adventures with the map printed on it. Uh, we have an amazing map being drawn for us, which is currently a work in progress. Um, we're going to have some really great stretch goals. I mentioned one of them 
which is the art book, uh, which hopefully we can reach because I, I love those guys. They actually just got um, the new DCC, um, uh, what's it called? The Adventure that just came out, number 100. Oh, yeah, the uh, Music of the Spheres is Music of the Spheres, yeah. And it comes with, I was like, oh, look, there's the art book kind of thing I want to do. Because again, Adventures like S1 and S3 in there, I think it was Caverns of Sojikant, those had, they had these extra like art books that just, mm-hmm. you know, just transport you. Well, and I think um, for this project especially, because, I mean, this is going to be such an alien environment, folks. Yeah. Uh, literally. <laughs> uh, that um, the descriptions are nice in the book, but to, to just show the picture is yeah. such a volume more, you know? Yeah. Thank you. And so hopefully, you know, we get the the, the people, you know, behind it and we reach those goals. But e- either way, I think um, it's going to be a great adventure. And, um, I'm, you know, I've actually already three quarters of the way through the second adventure. So hopefully it all goes well and we can do that one uh, and they can you know, continue the the campaign in that. But as I said, this is fully standalone. It's not, you don't need to run it as a campaign. It can just be done by itself. Excellent. Any other final thoughts that you want to make sure uh, people know? No, I just really, hey, thanks for having me. I, I you know, uh, we have a joke, my friend, and I was like, is it a long gamer story, a longer gamer story, the endless gamer story? Because, like, you know, <laughs> gamers, we just sit around and talk about this yeah. stuff all day long. It's it's sort of a, a passion we all share, and it's just fun to chat about this stuff. You know, I don't know what what it is, but it's just, it's just kind of, you know, the way we all connect. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you coming on, man. This has been a great episode. And, uh, you know, I say this to everyone that comes on that, uh, you know, our, our regular show drops about once a month. So it's really, you know, spaced out quite a bit throughout a year. And we, we don't always get to have everybody on that we'd like. But but someday, someday, man, I'd love to have you come on, uh, pick out one of the old adventures that you uh, know and love. And, and we talk on the on the regular program about how you would change it up if you're running it today. I think that'd be a blast. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed uh, our chat. I appreciate it. All right, man. Well, folks, uh, October 3rd is when it's going to be like live. But right now, if you uh, search the uh, show notes there, you can go to that link. You can sign up to be notified. Uh, It's already got a pretty good following, but that doesn't mean you can't be part of the action. Uh, So go and do that. I, I, you know, preview uh, of it uh, all but the last 20 pages read. I'm telling you, it's a good buy. Do it, do it, do it. (laughs) All right. Good night, folks. You have been listening to This Whole Dungeon, a podcast about reviewing and renovating great adventures and rule sets from throughout the annals of gaming. The views expressed by the hosts are simply that and shouldn't be taken with any serious amount of gravity. This program is copyright 2023. Happy gaming!